Hi, I'm Meredith. And I'm Katie. And you're listening to I'm Not Scared, You're Scared. A horror movie podcast. If you are a fan of the show, please like and follow us on iTunes and Spotify and review us. It'll help spread the word. Also, you can follow us on Instagram at I'm Not Scared, You're Scared or email us at I'm Not Scared, You're Scared at gmail.com. joining us for our final October episode. episode. <laughs> I was going to say Wait. some kind of dot 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 dot. dot, dot. dot. The suspense is the suspense? killing us. Um, no, I can't re- I was going to say like October series, but it wasn't really a series. It's no. just like a lot of movies that we like to talk about. Or, you know. A set. On, on a set? And yeah. a, an assortment. Of our, of, a clutch. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, a, a little clutch of movies mm-hmm. in October. Um, so, yeah, we're here recording in the morning. This is why I'm kind of talking fuzzy or yeah. like being spacey. Did think, you? But. Have you said the name of the movie we're doing no. yet? It's, it's a surprise still. <laughs> it's we're doing Pet Cemetery from 1989. We're also going to talk about the um, remake a little bit too and the Bloodlines yeah. prequel that just came out on yeah. Hulu. Before any enough. of that. Meredith, please tell us what's new with you. I don't even know. <laughs> She's like, well, what's new is I just started my coffee. <laughs> I'm like, I just had a sip of coffee. Uh, we went to our annual Halloween party we always go to. It's adults only. And I dressed up as Nadia. Um, and Victor dressed up as Laszlo. And it was it was really fun. And it's always good to get together and see all the costumes and hang out and stuff. And I'm always freaking freezing, so I want to leave after like two hours. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so cold, I can't commit to this anymore. Um, so that was really fun. And we're just like ramping up for all of our Halloween activities. It's, I always get a little bit, I mean, I'm always like super excited and then I'll always get a little melancholy at the same yeah. time. Because I know yeah. I'm like, oh, it's my favorite time of the year and it's always mm-hmm. gone in a flash, it feels like. So um, tomorrow, my students and I were going to the pumpkin farm to for a field trip. In Half Moon Bay? Yes. Nice. And then the next day is our Halloween parade, Halloween party, and then it's all going to be done. Yeah. So, anyway, I'm excited, but I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so what's up with you? What's new with you? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, yeah, I was also at said party last night. That's super fun. I feel like... Um, it's gotten a little tamer as the years go on. Um, I think as the uh, participants, the annual participants get older, we're we're all like going into our forties. Yeah, we're getting. Well, no, late well, some 30s. of them, some of them are you know closer to fifty. Uh, like it's not, it's not a young young group, um, and everybody's there and has a great time and chats and it's mostly couples. So you see a lot of really you know fun and creative couples costumes. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it felt a little tame, and it was the first year that uh, my husband Tom has ever come with me to this party mm-hmm. and he's been hearing for years about all the like ex- insane shit that like goes on and it was actually pretty um low-key low night key. um except yeah. for freezing to death so um I don't know if he thinks I was lying all those yeah. years or what um but we had a like good driving time. home every time you're like I, okay I gotta come up with some crazy stuff to tell him that happened <laughs> right. um and then the other thing I completely forgot to mention this was new with me the last time we recorded and I just didn't I completely blanked on it was that um we went to see the uh the new exorcist movie 
Oh, right. Yeah. Um, and I... I remember saying um, we had talked about it on here a bit and that, you know, it didn't um, it didn't have a very good Rotten Tomatoes score. But I really felt like based on the commercials that I was really going to like it and that um, I thought it was going to be really, really scary. And so what was um, your overall impression? Um, it was not as scary as I thought it was going to be. Um, I think that they they cut the trailers very effectively, but most of the really scary images and everything were in the trailers. There was nothing, um, nothing additional or nothing really unexpected, just in the scary department. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did still really like it because it um, it really introduced a new a new viewpoint or a new take on the possession and the way that people respond to it. Because, you know, exorcism and possession horror movies are very formulaic mm-hmm. um, and they always try and throw in, you know, a little element here that we're like, well, this time we'll make it a dibook and have a rabbi come. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, it's always the same, you know, one, two, three uh, formula for those movies. And um, this one the the new creative element that they put in was I thought was pretty creative and then we knew that um Ellen Burson was coming back and Mm -hmm. um which I'm excited yeah I mean I want to see it probably at home it started already streaming you can rent it now yeah so we'll probably do that but Mm -hmm. I'm yeah, she was, she was fantastic in her return in that, um, you know, the cast was really strong. The performances were really strong. I think it was just um, it wasn't as scary okay. as, as I thought it was going to be like the original, even though it's so dated in appearance, yeah. um, you know, still kind of makes your skin crawl, mm-hmm. like puts you on edge, even though we know, you know, scene for scene, shot for shot, everything that's mm-hmm. going to happen. Yeah. And this one, um, you know, at the beginning, I was like primed to be really scared. And so there was one or two scenes that I was like, ooh, like really, really on edge about. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as it kind of continued, I was like, oh, all right. OK, no. And I yeah, they showed this part and, and everything. And maybe I was, you know, I was pretty engrossed in the the story that um, that they were developing. But um, I mean, I would definitely say anybody who likes horror movies should watch it. I think it was good. OK, well, that's good then. Yeah. I mean, and you would. We're not being paid for this, so you wouldn't be like say otherwise. Right, right. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm on like, this uh, is Exorcist, really great. The, the payroll for <laughs> right. You're like twelve dollars. You're like this was great. I'm getting this amazing, the sweet, sweet Ellen Burstyn money. <laughs> <laughs> and there was like a pretty fun, exciting little surprise thing at the end um, that I won't spoil for anyone, including you. Okay. Um, yeah, we're definitely gonna watch it. Probably in the next, maybe even tonight. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I really want to because it's like spooky. Still not Halloween, so I still want to watch some. Scary yeah, we want to we want to be ramping ramping yeah. up. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was going to ask. Um, I never watched the sequel. Maybe I did, but it was so long ago for The Exorcist and the there were movies that came up after that. that yeah, and, and I don't. They continue the story. Did you have to watch like know what happened in those? No, absolutely not. One? Like, um, and I don't remember because we did our episode on the original Exorcist a long time ago, and I don't remember to what extent we talked about the sequels. Right. Um, Exorcist to the Heretic. Um, Linda Blair returns as the Reagan character, um, and she's still being kind of you know pursued and beset by the demons, and they introduce this whole like. You know, they put her this device on her to track her brain waves and everything, and it was a little hokey. It wasn't very good. Okay. Um, and I then, heard the third one's like actually really good. It's, it's got George C. Scott in it. It has um, <laughs> like on scariest movie moments, like the newer version. And mm-hmm. I'm not giving it. 
the proper name that it's called. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I used to watch back in 2004. But the new sat series that was mm-hmm. on Shutter and AMC and has like Mike Flanagan and all those new directors and right. stuff like current people. Mm-hmm. Um, they there's a scene in that movie that's like studied by by film scholars. Really, as being one of the most terrifying scenes. I wonder um, which in film one. history. I'll have to look that up. So I'm like, it's kind of interested in watching it. So I'm like, well, maybe I could check it out if I needed to for this movie, but maybe I don't have to. I don't know. No, it didn't. Okay. Um, it didn't build on or or the only element that it picked up was that um, Chris O'Neill's character like after Reagan's possession, like kind of became like an authority, okay. um, a publicly, cause you know, her character was already an actress. She was already a public figure. Yeah. Um, and then she, you know, the, her experience with Reagan's possession and ex- exorcism leads her to kind of become active in that world. Right. Um, and so they seek mm-hmm. her out for help. Okay. But it doesn't, it doesn't like continue the story or, although there is like the very, One thing I loved, and it got me so excited just from the first moment, like the opening scene is dogs fighting, (gasps) (laughs) which is like, we all know the opening scene of the original. Oh my God. Dogs are like, demons, time to fight. (laughs) Demons are around. I remember we, did you read the book when I chose it for our book? Yes. Choice last year? I remember like, I, I I think like two of us, (laughs) I I bought a used copy off of Amazon and the copy, when it came, it was stamped, um, a, the public library, Washington DC public library. Wow. I was like, what? Ah! (laughs) Um, yeah. I mean, I remember reading that and then thinking Ellen Bernstein really, she made the character, like it really translated very well on the film and like kind of her her plight everything she was trying to do to protect her child mm-hmm. and um not being listened to because she was a woman also yeah. so yeah i i well, i'm excited to watch it so i'm glad um you liked it recommended did, did, <laughs> did tom enjoy or was he like um he, i don't know if enjoyed is the right word because we know that he's not um typically a horror movie fan he said he didn't think it was very scary um and he falls into that category i think um where it's like, if it's not empirically possible, he doesn't find it frightening. Um, and he says that now. He was actually just saying that last night. But um, I was like, that's funny, because when we first started dating, Candyman scared the shit out of you. And that's not empirically possible. <laughs> Nor was Hellraiser. And you also were not a fan of that movie. So maybe that's something that has developed in the years since for him. Probably a little coping mechanism. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's OK. Do so what I think you can. He, you know, he can kind of take it or leave it. Sure. Um, okay. He's not going to get, like, you know, really excited about it like I do. <laughs> well, sure. Yeah. But I guess it's basically I was asking, was he like, this is a part of garbage no i don't so, think so that's good. i don't think so okay yeah well, that's good then all right well i'm doing the recap um this time around um it's victor says it's really long it's only four pages it's not very long I don't well think. if i feel like you've been talking for too long i'll just cut you off all right that's fair <laughs> <laughs> two three four no it's like five pages maybe it's longer i don't know maybe it's freaking long <laughs> whatever anyway i'll get started Okay, so it opens with children's voices saying goodbye to their beloved pets, and the camera pans over crosses adorned with collars, um, pet collars, and handmade tombstones. There's a wooden sign above it that says Pet Cemetery, spelled with an S. Mm -hmm. And it's just the opening credits. 
The next scene has a massive semi uh, truck speeding down the road, and we see a sold sign in front of a home with a family pulling up in their wind paneled wagon. What's that called? I forget. Um, the station wagon. Station wagon, right? yeah. Okay. I couldn't for the life of me remember. Because <laughs> we don't have those anymore. <laughs> right. So it's a wood pa- paneled station wagon. They pull up a couple, Louis and Rachel Creed, they get out. Um, and their daughter, daughter Ellie starts swinging on the tire swing. They're moving in. They're very excited. Rachel takes out their toddler, Gage, and he's just toddling around in his pampers looking adorable. Oh, my God. Cutest Ellie's, baby ever. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Ellie's swinging on the tire swing when the branch suddenly snaps and Ellie starts screaming. Both Rachel and Lewis run over to help while a toddling Gage looks at their their little cat and says, Church! It is cute little tiny voice mm-hmm. and then he toddles off to go wave at the semi-truck he toddles further into the road and is narrowly hit by a speeding truck until he's scooped up very quickly by judd crandall and he's like no you're not gonna be in the road or, <laughs> oh you better keep this uh, kid out of this uh, road <laughs> i love him so much he tells him it's um an interesting story about you know, because they ask him, they say, where does this path on their land lead to? Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, that's an interesting story. I'll tell you once you're uh, more settled in. Lewis is out walking around later and he, he gets startled by church. He spots Judd hanging out on the front porch. He has a cigarette, some cans of beer, and he's just kind of stationed out on the front porch. That's what you do in Maine. Yeah. <laughs> Judd mentions the speeding semi trucks and the pet cemetery. He says one causes the other. Lots of lost dogs and cats that hit get hit on the road. Um, so there was the need for the unfortunately the pet cemetery. <laughs> yeah. and um and he warns lewis he says please you know keep an eye on church because he, he can easily get hit yeah um and then lewis is like well i'll take that under advisement thanks yeah. thanks for i mean judge being neighborly and all that so judd takes them the next day or whenever i think a few days later once they are settled into the pet cemetery on a fun family hike. <laughs> Rachel's pretty horrified because the cemetery was built by broken-hearted kids, she says. Mm-hmm. Uh, Judd shrugs it off. He says, they need to learn about this loss one day. Um, and then Judd points out his old childhood dog's grave spot. Then um, later that night, Ellie's worried her cat will die. She says she doesn't want God to take her cat. And then she starts overacting. I mean, crying. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Rachel is thoroughly pissed off, kind of off to the side, listening to this dead pet talk. Yeah, um, yeah she, she and Lewis have like very opposite opinions about like you know, death and like how it should be handled in terms of kids. And like, you Mm -hmm. find out why obviously Rachel's triggered by that as the story continues. But at this point you just see like, you know, cause Lewis is a doctor, like he's very pragmatic um, and very direct. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. he's like, you know, that this is part of life. It's not something to be afraid of. It's not something to hide from them or gloss over. And she's like, promise the little girl that her cat will never die. Lewis, what's wrong with you? And he's like, are you, are you, are you you fucking kidding? Like, I'm going to, I'm going to make her a promise that something that will absolutely happen isn't going to happen. Yeah. It's a little bit uh, nuts, but you'll see why later, but she keeps her, she's really mad. She kind of keeps it to herself though. Still. So the following day, Ellie asks about church getting operated and, (laughs) or fixed. So, you know, getting his nuts nuts chopped chopped (laughs) off. Um, so he won't wander around the road and just tomcat around like he likes to do. Often um, impregnating other cats <laughs> yeah. like they do. Rachel makes Lewis promise that church will be fine. And uh, Lewis is pretty annoying. He's like, yeah. are you joking? Um, and then later, Lu- and he's like, I have to go to work. Thanks for putting this on me. Yeah. You know, uh, so then he has his first day on campus, which goes swimmingly. <laughs> 
Oh my god, no, it's awful. Yeah, so he's um, like, it, why is there a doctor on staff? Like, it's a it's a university, but the most colleges like have an MD on staff. I think the only explanation is they knew he was a doctor and he was the closest person, maybe to to, to bring that kid to. I have no idea. But no, like his job, like the, they moved there for him to take this job at the university as a medical doctor. Really? Yeah. Oh, I thought he was being a professor. They kept calling him professor, like doctor. I don't think so. Okay. Well, either way, they give him a shit sandwich. Essentially. <laughs> right, okay. They're like, so welcome. Here you tell, go. <laughs> let me tell our listeners. They all know, but let's talk about it. <laughs> so Rachel wishes them good luck. And then cue to a horrifying scene with college students carrying a young man. He looks really very rough slash quite fucked dead. up yeah <laughs> um he tells people to move you know they tell people to move it uh lewis is like get out of here clear the room and then behind the curtain he just sits down he he gives everyone a sense of urgency he's like, go do this go do that he shuts the curtain he's like okay this kid's dead yeah you know and he's like i'm really his, sorry his head is open yeah there's you his, can brain. See his brain he um sits down he feels his patient pascal um you know kind of che- checks his pulse and all that and he mm-hmm. he starts to close um, Pascal's eyes, and suddenly there's a gasp and a spray of blood on Lewis's face, and he says, "The soil of a man's heart is stonier, Lewis." And Lewis is like, "How the fuck did you know my name?" And it's very <laughs> creepy. And then he dies. Um, or I don't know if he actually imagined that, but in any case, um, Lewis is pretty freaked out. Um, and then he says, "I'll come to you." Lewis is very alarmed. He he's and shaken, mm-hmm. although he's seen loss. You know, a lot in his doctor life, but this is very um, strange to him. And surreal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So then later that evening, Pascal appears to him telling him it's time to go. We have places to go. Lewis is, asks why he, he he's like, why are you here? And he says that they're he's there to help him. And he, because Lewis tried to help him. Right. Pascal. He was like, you tried to help me. I'm here to try to help you. And he also looks really creepy and dead. And so you're not really sure if he's there to be helpful. <laughs> right. Yeah. Looks, it's hard to like scary. see him as a, a benevolent spirit yeah. coming when like half of his head is gone. Yeah. His, his brain's exposed. Um, Lewis is like, I don't really like this dream. And Pascal <laughs> says, who said you're dreaming? So oh. he's like, well, what are you going to do? And Lewis Zoinks. kind of follows him. <laughs> he goes. So he follows Pascal down the path to the pet cemetery. And he says, this is the place where the dead speak. And he tells him not to go further where the dead walk. And we see a light. It goes past the uh, pet cemetery. There's bramble and branches and stuff. And it's kind of glowing light. And he basically says, don't go that way. Yeah. And um, he says, the pe- the ground beyond this is sour. Mm-hmm. And then um, the next morning, Lewis wakes up his, and he opens, you know, Pulls back the covers, discover, discover money feet. He was walking around in his sleep. So that's great. <laughs> <laughs> so time moves forward. It's Thanksgiving. Rachel's going to her parents' house with the kids. Lewis doesn't want to go because he and Rachel's dad don't get along. Apparently, his dad thinks that he's a piece of crap, even though he's a doctor. Yeah, usually that's that. what you want for your daughter is that that, well, that MD. Yeah, I was, I was like, okay. Well, anyway, that's part of the story. So <laughs> later, Jed calls him. Uh, on the phone to um, say he found Church dead on the edge of his lawn. Lewis goes over, confirms that it's him, and he's upset because Ellie is going to be heartbroken. Lewis wants to put off telling Ellie because he doesn't want her holiday to get ruined because Ellie's out of town. And then Judd offers to help him um, with a better way. He grabs a shovel and shows Lewis how to climb over the the bramble and the branches and the barrier next to the pet cemetery. Um <clears throat> 
exactly the place Pascal warned him not to go. And after a long hike, he shows Lewis where to bury church in the Micmac Indian burial ground. He asks him why, and Judd says, well, he has his reasons, and, um, you know, you have to bury church yourself. I can't help you. So then he sits and he smokes and watches Lewis while he struggles to break the ground <laughs> and bury church. Then the two of them walk back to Lewis's place. Just Judd tells him not to tell his family about what they did. Lewis and he's asked, like, what did we just do? Right. He's like, don't tell your family. He's like, this, this, don't worry about it. <laughs> Lewis asks, you know, what did we do exactly? And then Lewis uses the exact same words that Pascal told Lewis as he died, mm-hmm. um, which is not a good sign. No. Then Lewis calls his family. He doesn't tell Ellie about church. Ellie asks Lewis to give church a big kiss for her. And uh, Lewis just looks super guilty on the phone. The following day, Lewis is raking leaves and he sees a very much alive church, although he looks very rough and he stinks. Mm -hmm. Uh, As Lewis is examining him, he gets all scratched up. Lewis goes to go talk to Judd and he confirmed that church was definitely dead. He tells Lewis about the time that he buried his own dog Spot in that same burial ground and then later... Um, and later Spot died peacefully peacefully in his sleep, and then he buried him in the pet cemetery. Mm-hmm. So he got more years from his dog by burying him in the pet um, in the burial ground. Right. But Lewis is like, but Church is an asshole now. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, well, you get what you get. You don't get upset. Right. <laughs> so um, Lewis says, has anyone buried a person there? And Judd's like, no, why would anyone do that? <laughs> like, <laughs> really strong reaction to that question. Yeah. Suspiciously strong. Who would ever do that? Mm-hmm. 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 So later, Lewis gets a rat as a present from church under his pillow. Oh no! In, in the bath- bathtub. In the bathtub. That's, that's right. so gross. And then church has eerie glowing eyes and hisses at him. I think that Lewis is regretting his decision. <laughs> <laughs> he should have just, you know. Side note: He should have just gotten a gray cat. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. How Ellie's gone. Yeah. Go get go a great cat. That's I mean, alive. it worked on Meet the Parents, kind of. Right, kind of. <laughs> Meanwhile, their housekeeper, she's been, you see her talking about her stomach pains, and um, she's kind of intermittently in the in the movie. She's like saying yeah, weird she's stuff. She's just an ornery local. Yeah. And then she takes her own life, and she leaves a note saying she's sure that she has stomach cancer and she can't really keep going. Um, at the funeral, we see Stephen King ministering, which I love. Yeah. Rachel skips the funeral because she's upset and she doesn't like death stuff so Mm -hmm. she didn't do she didn't go she's like death ew no (laughs) but lewis is there and then later that night ellie asks about what happens when you die rachel can be seen crying and kind of in anguish in the kitchen she has her own baggage she had a sister zelda that died a horrifying death um who she had to take care of and then she kind of explains to lewis later that um you know she hated it and thought that Zelda looked monstrous, and sometimes she wanted her to die, and she had a lot of guilt over that, too. Yeah. Um, and then Lewis comforts her by saying her parents should have, shouldn't have have put that on her. Like yeah, an she was like an eight-year-old taking care of, because she had spinal meningitis was yeah. what the sister had, and she was like, her body was all like twisted, and she was mm-hmm. sick for a long time, and it's like, yeah, let's have a little girl have to take care of this sick person. Right, and he's like, that was your, your parents, like, if I didn't have a reason to dislike them already this mm-hmm. is like they're putting this on you and they shouldn't have done that and yeah. as a doctor he knows that too that's really kind of messed up so um but she still carries guilt even if he's she was like thanks for tell- saying that to me but also she still has her own feelings still right. so uh sometime later the family is enjoying a nice picnic they're flying a kite 
We get a glimpse of a truck driver. He's just jamming out to the Ramones. <laughs> Gage is flying the kite and looking adorable. Lewis turns around to look at his family for a ridiculously long time and ignoring Gage. <laughs> and Gage runs after the kite after he drops it. He goes, oh, oh, he's toddling Ooh. after it. And Lewis, um, we don't see... Oh, let me go back. Lewis does not see Gage toddling off into the road. We do as a viewer. Mm -hmm. And Lewis goes and um, when everyone's alarmed, they're like, save the baby. Rachel's yelling and and they Lewis goes to run to go, you know, snatch him up. But he's not able to save Gage. And we see uh, a glimpses of an adorable family photos and the baby as Lewis is screaming in the road. So dramatically, yeah. like that moment was it was a bit. It was like apocalypse now screaming. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> like, no! oh my god, why? <laughs> um, and he's at his on his knees. And then later that night, Ellie says that she wants God to bring Gage back. Lewis is sort of catatonic, sitting at the table. Um, um, then at the funeral later. Oh, and then you know, Rachel's just. She's in anguish, taking yeah. a lot of like sedatives and stuff. Just, just not like wailing in the other room. She can't do anything. Um, at the funeral, Gage has a little tiny casket that's so cute and so traumatic. And Rachel's dad is a piece of crap and punches Lewis. He's like, "Why did I, I always knew that? You know, you were gonna. This is what's gonna happen. Like, how did you know? Yeah, you're." He's like, I didn't like you, and now I'm gonna take my grief out on you and blame you for your son's death. Yeah, and then he punches. Lewis, there's a rough, uh, a scuffle, and then the the casket falls over, and you see little Gage's little Aww. squishy little hand, um, and it's all pale, and you see his little suit, a little bit of it, and it's it's awful. So that night, Ellie tells Lewis that she thinks God could take it back if he really wanted to, because she's like, this is crap. Why did I lose my brother? And um, Lewis goes to check on a sleeping slash sedated Rachel. <laughs> Uh, Lewis starts drinking and Judd comes into the house and he says, ah, I know what you're thinking. Well, what do you think? I know what you're thinking, Lewis. I know what you're thinking, Lewis. <laughs> Don't you do it. Don't you do it. He's like, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking about burying Gage in that sour ground. He finally reveals that he lied about no one ever be, uh, burying a person in that soil. He tells him about the World War II veteran who was killed and then buried in the bad ground by his grief-stricken father. It wasn't the same person that came back, and they had to burn him in the house to stop him, a flesh-eating creature that isn't a person anymore. Judd, along with a few other men, managed to burn burn the house down. Mm-hmm. Judd also comments that sometimes dead is better, and that the place that is evil, and um, or that place is evil, the ground, Mm-hmm. And the ground is now sour, and the Micmac Indians stopped par- burying their own dead there because they were like, "This is not a good place anymore." Yeah. So they stopped. Also, Rachel and Ellie they go to Chicago um, to get away from the place and just yeah. to you know go be with her terrible parents for some reason. <laughs> and Ellie's worried because she had a dream about Gage, Judd, and a guy named Pax Cow. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. So. Lewis stays behind. You know, it's funny. Let mm. me go. Quick side note. There's always like little kids that have like visions all the time. <laughs> like yeah. the children of the corn. <laughs> she yeah. had visions. And then this kid, she's like, I had vision. She has like dreams. And I wonder if the, like the assumption is that because kids, um, because they're not like, I don't know, jaded or educated or pragmatic or whatever you, you might call it, that like they're more open mm-hmm. to things that like adults have shut themselves off to. And so it's not necessarily that like these kids uh, have like, 
you know, telepathy or something, but just that they, the universe can get to them more easily because their minds are more open. Maybe open to more, like, influence. And yeah. Yeah. Because I, I don't know. think that they're yeah. implying that Ellie, like, has, like, ESP or something. They're not, like, giving her some, her character any kind of supernatural quality because um, Victor, but Pascal, is, like, obviously able to access Lewis in, like, his mind and, and appear to him and, and take him in his dreams and everything. And so he's just doing the same thing to, to Ellie. To Ellie, yeah. Okay. Um... But they don't really know what she's saying. They're like, Pascal, what yeah. are you? Okay. So Lewis stays behind, and we all know what he's thinking. He gets his shovel. He goes to the cemetery uh, where Gage is buried, and he goes to dig up his grave. Mm-hmm. Lewis decides that if it doesn't work, he's just going to put Gage back to sleep, mm-hmm. since he's a doctor, and he can kind of give him a little shot. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Ellie is freaking out because Pascal, the good ghost, is saying Lewis is going to do something really bad. Rachel comforts her, and Ellie asks her to call her dad to make sure that he's okay. Finally, Rachel realizes that Ellie means Pascal and that she's making some sense. And then she makes that connection. She's like, well, I have to go back yeah. to, to go and try to figure, you know, make sure whatever bad, something bad is going to happen, mm-hmm. try to put a stop to it. Well, yeah, And like Pascal's like ghost, like Rachel doesn't see him, mm-hmm. but he's like standing over her, like whispering when she's like trying to figure out, like translate what Ellie was saying. And so when she makes the connection that Pascal is Pascal, um, which like it makes sense that she's the only one who would have known the name of the guy that died under Lewis's care. Like obviously, um, her parents wouldn't have known uh-huh. that like random patient's name or anything. Rachel right. would be the only one that might recognize it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she realizes that, and like you said, there is a, um, Pascal there, kind of un- in, not visible to the eyes, but you can see him kind of influencing. So yeah, he's like Pascal. It's Pascal, not Pascal. This girl needs speech therapy. <laughs> so then, let's see here. Uh, so she calls, tries to get a hold of Lewis. She can't get a hold, a hold of him. Alarm bells go off um, for for her, and then so she calls Judd, and she's like, "I'm trying to reach Lewis. He's not answering the phone." And Judd's like, "Oh crap." Basically, so yeah. he goes out to the front porch to keep a like a watch to mm-hmm. wait for Lewis to come back. Um, so he's like, also makes the comment, "I have to do under the damage. I have to undo the damage I've I've done." Yeah. Um, so meanwhile, Rachel is dreaming about her sister Zelda, who is horrible looking, and saying that she and Gage are coming for her. She wakes up on a plane. She's making a mad dash for the connecting flight. She's trying to get home. Lewis is carefully carrying Gage. To the burial ground. While all this happening, um, he's making his way over there. There's many weird things happening to kind of deter him, but he he keeps pressing on. Rachel manages to rent a car to get home, but uh, the tire then blows out. Um, something really doesn't want her to get back there. Yeah. Um, and Pascal also says the same thing. It's trying to keep you from from getting back to your house. Mm-hmm. She trudges on, manages to hitchhike with a trucker, um, and then uh, Lewis. Barry's gauge and we see the little spot and he goes home collapses in bed he's exhausted and we see a little tiny hand coming out of the rocks um, it's going to be a great family reunion <laughs> oh, the cutest I little know. zombie ever <laughs> Yeah. so back at the Creed house we see the door open and it's magically unlocked from the inside and tiny little shoes walking in 
we never see Gage fully for a little while. Yeah. So Lewis is asleep because he passed out after he's exhausted mentally and physically. Gage goes to um, his dad's medical kit and we soon take a scalpel. He goes to Judd's house and um, he says a lot of cute little things like, let's go play hide and go seek. And Judd goes looking for Gage. And just as he is about to look under the bed, Church appears making a big row and suddenly... Um, because of that distraction, Gage is able to slice the back of Judd's feet. He comes out. He slices his mouth as Judd's screaming in horror. Yeah, it and, gives him a Glasgow grin. <laughs> yeah. And then he bites um, at his neck. And then Judd falls over dead. And finally, we get a very good look at little Gage, who is a little monster. Yeah. Um, so then Rachel shows up. She says, says goodbye to Pascal, who's helped her kind of go who was with her along the way and he's like I have to go now um, so she hears Gage inside of Judd's house she goes to investigate and she hears creepy noises of her sister Zelda calling out to her she enters Judd's bedroom you, she can't see him there's a blanket on the floor and um, she hears noises of her sister Zelda also calling out to her also um, she she feels like it's Zelda yelling at her uh, and she sees it and hears it, and then it's actually Gage. It's yeah. kind of like manipulating her, whatever this is. Is this the part where he's wearing that little top hat with a cane? Yeah. Just out of fucking nowhere? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's cute. So he's whatever. waiting for her, so he just dressed up a yeah. little bit. Put on he a dapper little man's costume. He looks super adorable. Uh, he has his little scalpel, a little top hat. <laughs> and he's he he's says, a fancy gentleman. I brought you something, Mommy. And it's a scalpel. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So, and then you don't see anymore. So then the following, and then you hear, ah, and then cut to black. <laughs> so the following morning, Lewis wakes up and finds his medical kit open and muddy little footprints all over the kitchen floor. Rachel's dad calls and asks if Rachel made it safely back home. And, um... That is, Ellie is in hysterics because she had bad dreams. Right. Um, he hangs up and gets another call from Gage telling Lewis that he played with Judd and then Mommy. And now <sighs> I want to play with you. So then Lewis goes to kill Church because he's like, this is this experiment's going horribly. <laughs> yeah, let's kill. start with the cat. Yeah, I've got I mean, all these syringes. <laughs> yeah, he, ha- he wants to put um, Church down. Um, and then something goes inside... Uh, or excuse me, let me go back. He goes inside Judd's house and he sees a little bit of craziness like moss and all sorts of stuff. But yeah, it looks it's kind all swampy. Of, yeah, it's crazy, but it's just in his head. He finds Rachel's shoe and Gage is being very cute and creepy. He looks for Gage with a syringe filled and he um, with whatever it is that's going to put him down. And um, he's able to uh, um, inject Gage. Then he also finds... Um, wait, hold on. No, he has not yet. So let me go back. He He, finds Judd first. He finds Judd, yeah. He has the syringe. That's what I meant to say. Mm. And he finds Judd dead. He's like, oh my gosh, that's what... Because he looks horrified. Um, Then he, just as he's done that, he's walking around and then Rachel's thrown out of the attic by a noose. And then a horrifying gauge jumps down and bites at Lewis. And in the, in the struggle, he coaxes his little demon child, (laughs) uh, Gage, and, um, he puts the syringe in his neck and he's like, no, daddy. And his no, eyes are all watered. No, he's fair. Like, no, fair, no fair. No fair. He looks very cute and adorable um, as he says, no fair, no fair. And then goes down to the hallway to die again. Mm-hmm. I love how when he like falls down and like falls backwards and slams his head into the door. And he's like, <laughs> uh. 
Um, Lewis then pours gasoline around Judd's house. He sets the home of, um, on fire, minus Rachel's body. And the place goes up in flames, and Lewis walks to the burial ground to go bury Rachel. Then Pascal is there uh, yeah, in the road saying, don't do he's this. Like, don't do it. And Lewis rationalizes it by saying, you know, he waited too long to bury Gage and maybe it'll work this time. Because Rachel's fresh. Because Rachel just died. She just died. Um, Lewis, he sits up. He's waiting for Rachel to return in his own house. And she does. But of course, it isn't her. And Lewis is so happy and he's kissing her, even though she has her gross, bloody, drippy face. <laughs> and... Um, then Rachel picks up a nearby knife and you hear Lewis scream. And that's the end of Pet Cemetery. And poor, just like that, Ellie is orphaned. Oh, living with the shitty grandparents. <laughs> living with her awful rotten grandparents. <laughs> so, Katie, did you think this movie was scary? Um, that's an excellent question, Meredith. I'm glad you asked. Um, I, it's hard to, to answer that because it is dated to watch it now. Visually, sure. it's dated. Some of the acting is overdone, particularly at Lewis's um, in on many occasions. And then, I mean, Ellie's too, but she's <laughs> no! yeah. But then, yeah, like right? even at the part where he's um, when he's waiting to dig up Gage, because um, he goes to the cemetery during daylight and then has to wait until dark to like do it under cover of night. So it's like, yeah. why don't you just fucking come at night? But he's sitting there and he's like talking to Gage, and it's just it's so so badly done it's so he's like we're gonna bust you out of here <laughs> and then it'll be it'll be all right you know it's just it, it was very um overly dramatic but um i think that obviously the the concept um is scary and i think that gage as a a little um attack demon child mm -hmm. um is is very creepy and i am sure that when this came out in 1989 like this was this was really scary mm -hmm. um i think a lot of people think that this is um one of or uh the most scary book of stephen king's mm -hmm. um including him he says it's horrifying yeah he says that this is like the one book he's written that scares him yeah um but uh, you know, to watch it now, it it seems it seems kind of cheesy and laughable mm -hmm. in a lot of things. So it's hard to see past that stuff to appreciate what's actually very scary about the story and the concept. Right. Yeah. But it yeah. is fun and wonderful and a classic. Yes. Um, yeah. So I I love it for all of those reasons. Right. Yeah. yeah. Did yeah. you think it was scary when I was a kid? For sure. Yeah. Like I think I saw it for the first time on. Um, I think like Channel 21 or something. Mm -hmm. it, it was probably around the era of when I was watching like Candyman on Channel 21. Mm -hmm. And it was always in the afternoon, nothing really at nighttime. And it was when I was always somehow always elder millennial, always unsupervised. Yep. Home so, alone all <laughs> afternoon. I was by myself just watching, watching Using TV. the stove. Yeah. Living your best life. Living my best life <laughs> with a key around my neck. Mm -hmm. Um but I remember the images of Pascal scared the, sh oh, the crap yeah. out of me. And Zelda. Mm -hmm. uh, and I th I want to say that the person who does Zelda... It was a man, yeah. Was, um, I want to say it's the same actor that did Hocus Pocus and Shape of Water. In, oh, the... Um, he's in so many movies, but I could be mistaken. Um, um, the actor's name... Doug um, Jones? Is it Doug Jones or something No, else? Andrew Hubatsik. Okay, never mind then. I, I probably must, yeah, must remember that. But um, but I remember Zelda being just, like, horrifying to me. And oh, yeah. It, like, burned in my brain. And uh, and then Judd, and 
I remember being like, oh, he's from the Munsters when I was like <laughs> little, little. Uh, I was probably 11 or 12, Deke's, Deke's age. And that scene where Gage slices the back of his feet. Yeah. Like I felt that pain. Yeah. I was like, ah, like <laughs> to just scare the crap out of me. And then slicing the inside of his mouth. Those. Mm-hmm. So that was very visceral and, uh, and, and horrifying. As an adult, no, I don't get scared when I watch it but I think that if I showed it to Charlotte she might think it's cheesy but also you know a little creepy too yeah if you invest in it like you know turn the lights out and and get into it like you could definitely get creeped out by it still yeah yeah but I love um I love the actor who played Herman Munster. I can't, I I feel horrible not remembering his name. Yeah, well, and for me, my um, association (laughs) with him is um, my cousin Vinny. Oh, yeah. He's He's in that too. um, Fred Gwynn. Fred Gwynn, yeah. Yeah. He was super, very upset with how his career went because he was so pegged. Because of the monsters. The monsters, yeah. Uh, Yeah, well, I wasn't affected by that because I've never seen the monsters. But. Yeah, <laughs> that was always my go-to when I was a kid and sick at home. I yeah. watched the Munsters and um, the Adams Family. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. This also, is why never I, seen the Adams Family. This is why TV I show. am the way I am? Probably. Yeah. Well, we've got an explanation now. Um, yeah, I did connect so. to like the uh, Rachel character um, is the actress that played Tasha Yar on Star Trek. Oh yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, she she's she was pretty good. I feel mm-hmm. like her performance was actually one of the few that didn't seem over the top. Yeah, she did a great job. Yeah, and it then, wasn't like one LA, of the... I was like, overacting. Overact, <laughs> oh, yeah. I know, I'm kind of weird, but um, little Gage is cute. And, yeah, Miko yeah, Hughes, he's... Yeah, he's um, so cute. I love him. He's so... I feel like he's so recognizable for, like, again, like, our, our age group, our generation, because not even necessarily because of this, but, like, we were talking before we started, like, he was in Kindergarten Cop, he had a recurring role on Full House. Mm-hmm. Um, he was he was in the Wes Craven's New Nightmare from the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he also, like, a little bit later, he was in this movie, Mercury Rising, with um, Bruce Willis. But he was a pretty, like, successful child actor there for a while. And mm-hmm. obviously because he, um, I mean, he was a baby when he yeah. made this movie. And they were still... wearing pampers. So yeah. Cute. Like, he, but clearly, I mean, like, he's he's got to be have a very high intelligence to be at that age for them to be able to direct him mm-hmm. um, and accomplish what they did with those scenes. Because honestly, like, the... I would throw the whole movie away except the last like 10 minutes mm-hmm. of of him of little zombie gage and mm-hmm. part of it is because like the the recordings they had of the statements that he was making like it actually was Miko Hughes saying those things and and it seems wild because it's like he's he's a baby like he shouldn't be able to articulate mm-hmm. that well or that way um and then his facial expressions cuz obviously they cut those scenes together they had to do it um, you know, creatively because they can't, they weren't actually going to, couldn't, even if they wanted to have the 18 month old, like stabbing somebody with a scalpel. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so there are elements of it that actually are very reminiscent to me of the Chucky movies, mm-hmm. because like you mentioned the part where Rachel's body falls from the attic on the noose and then Gage is like, you look, he looks up, Lewis looks up into the opening and sees the actual human Miko Hughes standing up there, like looking down with like this evil look on his face. But then the character Gage dives out of the opening and attacks Lewis like 
from above. Mm-hmm. And that moment obviously was not the baby. It was a doll or <laughs> like a dummy. Just throw the baby onto that guy. <laughs> throw the baby down. <laughs> the 80s were a different time. Katie. They were. <laughs> um, but so like that moment, like you, even though they shot it very carefully and they were very creative and intentional, like you could still tell that it was like a dummy or a doll mm-hmm. um, in that moment of like diving down and attacking Lewis. And then it's a combination of various close-ups and um, close-ups of Miko Hughes' face. Um, but then you see like just the hand, like holding the scalpel and things like the same way that they did to make it look like Chucky was attacking things because yeah. it was like it was literally a doll. Um, right. And yeah. so you yeah. they they have to be very deliberate to make it to try and make it look as believable as possible. But even aside from that, like Miko Hughes's ability to like make the facial expressions and mm-hmm. respond the way he did, like um, the part where Lewis uh, injects him with the syringe, like that's not a cutaway or anything. It's actually the baby standing there. And then Lewis, obviously, it's one of those like things where like the needle retracts into the syringe to make it look like it's going into his neck. Mm -hmm. But they got like a, you know, one two year old to stand there while Lewis like put that into his neck and he made a face like he was in pain. Mm -hmm. And then but he stayed stationary. And then when Lewis withdraws the syringe, like he react like he's reacting. He's actually acting, Mm -hmm. you know, and he's so, so young when they made this movie. Um, Yeah. I wonder as a a director, if you're like, what happens when you get a shot? You know, but like, what do you do? Yeah, I don't even think that <laughs> that like, age you, you would. Do that, right? Yeah, at yeah. that age you would be able to. Um, I mean, obviously he had to have been a really intelligent child. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why I thought it was so, because he does after he takes the shot in his neck and then he's like walking away and like looking back over his shoulder at Lewis like looking no like fair, her, looking no hurt. fair. He and was then like a good little time playing games. I know, I was playing with you, daddy, and stabbing, and it's my favorite. But then like when he goes down to the end of the hall and. He sits down and he literally like it and it is the baby. It's not a dummy. And it obviously, I mean, probably was not intentional. He like falls over backwards and really smacks his head oh, into yeah. the door. And I'm like, oh, I don't oh. think that they meant for that to happen. No. But then he's yeah. like sitting there all slouched over and he's still like looking at the camera like in character. Mm-hmm. It's just so impressive to me, yeah. like what what he did. And so that's why I feel like that that's the the element that makes this movie. A hundred percent. And yeah, that those parts make this movie very um, redeemable and mm-hmm. even um, something that I can still watch, you know, every few years and, mm-hmm. be, and actually enjoy and not not just only based on nostalgia. It's like also that part, too, because he was he's so good in it, too. So mm-hmm. I definitely agree with that also. And I saw um, um, <laughs> just a little bit of an interview with him and it was like, I wonder how many times like he's gotten this question, but like. as an adult like the interviewer asked him something about like was it scary to make that movie and he's like I have no memory of making that movie. I'm like, sure, yeah. He was a bait. Like, I do I have memories of being two years old? No, no. You know, yeah. so he's like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Like, that's that's the dumbest question. It is so stupid. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's like, does Sophia Coppola remember her role in Godfather Part Two? No, she was a baby. <laughs> she was a baby. That? What did you think? Oh my God! How, how did, did you, you feel about the what were you channeling that in that, at that moment <laughs> so that you would cry in the baptism scene? Yeah, right. I know. Um, yeah. But yeah, That's, no, he's really great. Yeah, I um, I think I've seen him in things too about you know child actors too, but mm-hmm. and he's like doing well in his life, so that's 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 not always the case. So I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad. Um, we also watched the I haven't rewatched the um 
the remake in mm-hmm. recent, you know, and I think the last time I saw it was three years ago, maybe. Okay, yeah, it came out in 2019, but, mm-hmm. um, and I I own that one. I actually love it a lot. I put it on, you know, as just kind of like a background thing pretty often, um, and I rewatched it this past week, and it, um, I think the reason that I like it is that it stayed very, very true to the story, mm-hmm. and then it picked one element to do a major change on Mm -hmm. but everything else like even from like kind of the order of the scenes um the the characterization the story of zelda like judd's role in in everything like it really does follow the original except they make ellie die instead of gage Mm -hmm. and she's the one that comes back as a zombie thing and so that allowed them to do something very different with the zombie child because it was like a nine-year-old or eight-year-old girl instead of a baby Mm -hmm. and so there was more like commun- there was more opportunity for Lewis to like talk to her and her to like she asks him at one point like did I die mm-hmm. like and and so that was obviously like something they couldn't do with the zombie child character being a baby and mm-hmm. so I think that that was a kind of a cool thing to decide to change so that they could introduce some things that they couldn't do um, in the original. Yeah. Um, and also the way that they did it. Like if you were a fan of the original and you went and saw this, they even the scene where she gets hit by the truck, they edit it so that you think, cause at that up until that point, it is very much followed almost scene for scene, the original. And then Gage is like out in the road or headed for the road. And so you're all primed for Gage to get hit by the truck. Cause that's how the story goes. Mm-hmm. And then out of nowhere, it's Ellie that gets hit instead. Yeah. And so it's like, it's shocking. Yeah. Um, and so I, I liked that they, you know, were like De- true to the original, but also bit. like picked one area to deviate in. Mm-hmm. Um, that was very cool. Right. I can't recall um, because in the book, it was, you know, it, it explains why Judd did what he did, because he was very protective of that area. He wouldn't just be like, well, here's another way. Let me show you how to do this. This is, you know, no, you know, oh, bummer about our cat. Oh, like yeah, there's yeah. A, there was more of a reason, mm-hmm. and I I kind of was like you know it could have been helpful to show to explain to, that to a little explain more. that a little more in the in the movie. But I, of course, when I watched the movie, I didn't know that mm-hmm. until I read the book like a few years later when I was um, like in high school or something. Yeah, um, his motivation for kind of sharing that information with the newcomer, mm-hmm. uh, Lewis. Yeah. And so I can't recall, did they do that in the remake? I didn't remember. Um, no, they don't give you any more additional information about the why. They just kind of, um, you know, he's he's the kindly neighbor and doesn't want to see Ellie sad. Okay. So John he's going to help killed, Lewis. John Lithgow did, I love him. Oh, so he did a great he, job. He's so great. But I think that it would have been kind of helpful to, because I know he, he didn't watch all of Bloodlines because um, you fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I try. The, I did try prequel. to watch Bloodlines. The prequel. <laughs> so what you did see? Did you? What did you think about what you saw? The, um, the parts you remember again. I I liked the premise. I really. I think one of the reasons why I'm like the sequels, prequels, remakes person is, um, I I like to see people 
trying to be creative with source material and um, continuing a story or reimagining a story or explaining, like going back in time and explaining um, and just kind of uh, expanding on, you know, whatever the original concept or story was like, there's, there's always more to tell. Mm -hmm. And so um, I'm curious to see if people are able to do that in a cool way or in a different way, or, you know, the, the level of creativity that they bring to it. And so, um, I don't know how much of Bloodlines was um, based out of additional information from the book that mm-hmm. they left out of mm-hmm. the um, original movies, um, but just the idea of like, well, let's let's go back into the past because both um, both versions of Pet Cemetery, he does talk about like at one point he reveals to Lewis the one time in the past where you know um, a human was buried there and this is what happened, mm-hmm. and um, so you you get that concept that this is something that's been part of this community um, in the past that, you know, it's not like Judd's the only one that knows about this Mm -hmm. burial ground, um, that it's, it's something that has been a part of their community has affected their community, um, in the past as well. And so just that little nugget in these movies, you're like, okay, well that explains why he doesn't want Lewis to bury a body up there, but it also is just sitting there waiting to be told in its own right, like that story. Mm -hmm. And so I really liked that bloodlines, um, you know, took that nugget and was like, yeah, let's tell this story. Um, and the, the part that I, you know, watched at the beginning and everything of like Judd as a young man, his relationship with, um, with his parents who like, I can't remember if you told me Henry Thomas was in it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you did. Cause you listed like a ton of, um, the celebrity or celebrity, they're all, I don't know, whatever famous recognizable people in it. But then, um, his mom, I was like, oh, I'm sure she's somebody I'm sure. And then I was like, wait, is that Samantha Mathis? Like she, she has aged. Mm-hmm. <laughs> quite a lot from the last time I saw her. Um, but yeah, like everywhere you turned in it, you saw, you know, a really like a capable performance um, mm-hmm. from the different characters. So I did yeah. like the part that I remembered. <laughs> yeah, it, it just goes back further. It goes back to when they settled there. Like, yeah. And also kind of way, way back. It kind of explains more when the Mac Indians were there and, um, you know, and and when people came to settle and how so like the Europeans versus mm-hmm. natives like that and then, conflict okay. and well a little bit but like they were the the natives were like we told that you know we told this expedition party not to bury their dead here their yeah. one person and this is you know we told them and this person comes back and then they have you know they they realize what that is and mm-hmm. so they kind of. Um, the people who are founders of the town kind of like, well, we have to protect, make sure people don't do this again. Right. And so it's kind of lineage. Like, this is why people don't leave mm-hmm. uh, to make sure this doesn't Get keep out. happening, keep yeah. happening. And so they have people kind of at their posts that live there and then tell their children and they keep detailed kind of journals. And this is what happened when so-and-so got buried there. And, um, you know, this was the, the unfortunate circumstances that mm-hmm. happened after. So, Henry Thomas, who plays Judd's dad, he keeps taking watch. He's always sitting at the front smoking and um, drinking his beers. Mm-hmm. And then later you see at the end of the movie, Judd does the same thing. Taking in that role. Yeah, he takes on that role. So, And he takes it very seriously. Like, we have to keep people away from this place. Yeah, because so, they've seen what happens when, right. when you mm-hmm. abuse it. Yeah, and it expands on that little little nugget of information that we get from the movie. Mm-hmm. Um where they had to go where a bereaved father buries his his son there. Mm-hmm. And so but it wasn't World War Two in the 
the re- in the prequel it, uh, movie, Vietnam. it was a Vietnam, and it was mm-hmm. David Duchovny, uh, yeah, <laughs> bearing bearing his his own son, mm-hmm. and um, he's very fuck the world about it too. Yeah. <laughs> he's like. Whatever. I don't care. I don't I, care what you I, say. I've I'm going to do this. I've lost everything. Yeah. What do I have to lose, yeah. basically? And then um, there's like little hints because they kind of like this, these demons or whatever are coming um, coming out. It's like they kind of know, they kind of worm their way in your thoughts and know things about you that they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And, and so they're recognizable markers that the townspeople that have been taking watch and taking... Um, this passed down, um, you know, responsibility. basically responsibility. Yeah. They're like, it's happening. And this is, it's like the last time mm-hmm. this is what happens. And so they know basically it's not a huge surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it tells the rest of the story of, of how that goes. So that's also leads me to be like, how did wh- they never explain in the movies why Judd is like, well, this is where you should go. Yep. Um, take your cat there. Right, go. so I think yeah, he definitely been... <laughs> opens that door pretty willingly <laughs> pretty after willing. spending his entire life and this guarding legacy it. of guarding it. Yeah, um, so well, and that's interesting it too. Ex- expand on that, and the reason why is because he Norma, who's in his the wife. Bloodlines movie, but uh, or yeah, like they're just kind of dating. It's his girlfriend, and then they later get married and live a very long life with each other. And then she, um, I can't remember, has a heart attack. Something happens. I think he says she has cancer. I don't remember. I don't but, either. But um, but Lewis helps her in some way. So so then Judd is so you know thankful yeah. that he you know extends this olive branch by by doing this something he would never do. But then anyway, and then that's how Pet Cemetery the rest of the plot oh, happens. So. Okay, because the the other thing that they did differently um, was the very like the closing moment of the um, Pet Cemetery remake because the closing moment of the original was you know Lewis is making out with Zombie Rachel while her like eye oozes gross stuff all over his face and then they're like at, in the act of kissing when she picks up the knife so he doesn't see that she's doing that and then she just raises it. And the screen goes black and then you hear him scream. And so that's mm-hmm. it. So you assume like, okay, Rachel kills Lewis. Cool. Okay. Um, yeah. In the in the remake at the end, like that same thing happens, except then beyond that you see. So now you've got um, the Rachel. So he doesn't successfully, um, let's see, he isn't able to kill Ellie. Mm-hmm. And then, so now you have zombie Rachel, zombie Ellie, and then when they kill Lewis, they take him to the burial ground, bury him. And so the final moment of that scene is zombie Rachel, Lewis, and Ellie coming to the car where little still living human baby Gage, like Lewis had locked Gage in the car to keep him safe while he tried to stop, you know, everything the that madness. he'd said in mo- motion. Yeah. And so it's basically like... Um, like a zombie um, concept because they were spreading the infection, essentially. Like, they didn't just, like, kill Lewis and leave him there. Mm -hmm. They killed him, and then they took him to the burial ground to bury him so that he would come back like them. Mm -hmm. And then, I guess, the assumption was, now we're coming for Gage. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting um, that the bloodlines was about, like, um, you know, kind of trying to keep, like, an infection from spreading. Yeah, yeah. Um, that it wasn't just about like one guy coming back and killing and eating people and we need to stop them. Like it's, it's like, if you don't, if you don't contain it, it, it'll just keep spreading. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. So it was fun. You should 
you know, go revisit it. Give it another it. shot. Give yeah, it another, sure, yeah sure. sometime when I'm feeling a little more alert. Yeah, go revisit <laughs> it. Um, but I do like all the kind of backstory and stuff. I always appreciate that in like Stephen King's world, kind of, yeah. um, you know, how th- how this happened. Yeah, of. and the way that he creates stories, I really feel like, like he has universes in his brain. And so mm-hmm. he the stories that he writes, I feel like are just totally ripe for pulling one thread and you can take it to a whole other place right yeah you know and obviously I mean he didn't write bloodlines um, right but you know another creative individual was able to take this concept and take this world that he created and and make it you know even even deeper and more interesting and more developed right and they didn't have bloodlines had like there were two um teenagers who were native kids right Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. they actually um like integrated the the uh, presence of the descendants of the the Micmac tribe mm-hmm. that still would live in the town and gave them a part in the story rather than yeah. it just being like oh it's a Micmac burial ground mm-hmm. ha 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 white people sure sure <laughs> and, and they had um, Judd and his two childhood friends mm-hmm. and one of them was a native man I can't remember his name of his really good friend but they had kind of lost touch over the years um, yeah. and they grew up together but there was also some resentment because Judd is wanting to like move Leave. on yeah. and then their other friend Timmy who was went to had to be um, it was during Vietnam and so mm-hmm. he was you know sent and uh, his his number kept not getting you know, his day never, or never his, got called, his birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for Judd. And there, everyone's sort of like, well, what's going on with this? So mm-hmm. there was all this resentment, like, you know, how come I have to lose my son? You know, David Duchovny's, you know, his character. Yeah. So there's all that also, too. And so he um, had to go deal with his best friend who came back and, or his childhood friend. Mm-hmm. So there's also that background as well. Just, you know, there's a lot of emotional investment with, mm-hmm. with that too. But the, I guess the question is, you know, I, when I watched this, I didn't have kids, you know, the, for the first time when I was a, a um, oh, yeah, middle yeah. school person and, you know, not even thinking of my own children. Yeah, no, we are fully, fully self-centered at that age. <laughs> yep. And then now I'm a parent of two kids and you're thinking, I wonder what I would do. Yeah. If I had that, yeah. Like you know. that grief is so, so deep. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, if, would I even be able to like even imagine that? And, mm-hmm. you know, would it be tempting to me? You know, it's kind of interesting how I receive movies later as I um, grow and mm-hmm. mature and have my own kids. And something I saw when I was a kid hits different mm-hmm. later, later in life. So I've had friends say <laughs> that they liked horror movies until they had children. And I'm like, well, that's just stupid. Right. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I agree. I'm like, I'll yeah. still watch it. But like your, um, your perception changes, but that almost it gives it more depth because like right. you say, like rewatching the original Pet Cemetery, and, and you think about like what Lewis is doing, like he's just like, doesn't care doesn't care who sees him doesn't care yeah he's just he's out of his mind and so once you are a parent you're like oh absolutely you would not care like yeah and then you're like i I don't know do whatever you want to me like i kind of want to die right now anyway because my kid is dead yeah Um, and so if i can get them back even zombie version of them i'll take it Mm -hmm. you know like you would not care right um and so that's something that actually gets more more depth and resonance like Mm -hmm. watching it later on than when you're a kid and you're just like ah zombie baby yeah and you're like (laughs) why would you do that and then now you're like well i can see it yeah, <laughs> you know that it's you know you get a different kind of perspective, and mm-hmm. I kind of appreciate that also. Rewatching movies mm-hmm. as I 
um, move on in my life and change. And yeah, uh, well, it's like what you said with David Duchovny's character. He's like, fuck it. I I, I have nothing. I have nothing, nothing for me to lose. And just, I'm just going to do this. Why not? Why would I not? He's like, I know I'm, I sh- I'm not supposed to, but you know, who's here to stop me? Yeah. And I, you know, you get to keep your child because magically his, his birth date's never Didn't called. it turn out that his dad manipulated it though? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're kind of, I'm kind of like spoiling it, but. Oh yeah, that's um, true. <laughs> it's, it's, it was very intentional. Yeah. So he's like, how come I get to lose my, and then you're going to come here and judge me yeah. for doing this to get my Timmy back. Like, this is really, this is bullshit. Yeah. So you kind of get it. You know, and he's I, like, come I, at me, bro. Not, you're like, this is kind of gross, but I understand why you're doing this. Yeah. So anyway, I I really I love, you know, anything Stephen King. I love his stories. Uh, that book scared the crap out of me in high school. <laughs> and um, I always will rewatch this every few years and mm-hmm. maybe show Charlotte because it's um, it's not super crazy. And, no. you know, for for her to watch it, we'd be fine. I don't think yeah, it'd be problematic. Yeah. All right. Well, good conversation. Absolutely. We hope um, this. I don't know if um, is it's going to come out on Halloween or whatever, but coming we up hope really soon. Really actually. soon. Really soon. <laughs> Halloween is in two days for us right now. Um, so we hope that everybody has a, a happy Halloween. Celebrate your spooky season, however you like to do that. I'll yeah. be watching horror movies. Me too. Maybe <laughs> the new Exorcist and um, mm, good choice. Hopefully, yes. I'll come back with an opinion. That's. Um, not disappointed if I have to rent it and pay my own money to watch it. <laughs> You'd be like, damn it, Katie. Like, ah. <laughs> you made me think this was worth it. I know. Um, and then next time, um, you know, we were just uh, talking about how, you know, this is our spooky season and we're we're sitting around watching our scary movies. Yesterday, I rewatched um, one that we're all big fans of that's called Hell House LLC. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, it was actually a candidate to be part of our found footage summer theme yes. two summers ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is found footage, uh, like documentary found footage style um i think it's extremely scary personally i loved it yeah i loved loved it it and i think it is very very like it scares me even though i've seen it like three times now i think but Mm -hmm. if i'm like watching it in a dark room and everything like i'm legit scared well when i first watched it i felt like it was something that could happen yeah i I know i know so we um, we looked up the year what year is it 2015 Uh, 2015 2015. so So we'll be talking about that next time Mm -hmm. and check it out definitely check it out it's a good one yeah um and thanks for listening have a happy halloween happy halloween